0: Good morning, church. Good morning. We are so thankful to be together, and praising the Lord and worshiping here and online. So we welcome you. Uh, just a couple of things if you're new to the church we have a digital bulletin and a connect card that you can go to the phone number 904 441-6900 and you can get all that information there for you as well um also if you just have a question um, and you want to know what's going on in the life of the church you can do the same thing that same phone number it should be on the screen behind me and you can actually t- type the word news and that will give you all the information of all the different ministries and what's going on um, in the life of the church if you have any questions if you're like me and you want to just talk to somebody uh, in person uh, you can go out into the atrium to the information desk and you can fill out a connect card there if you have any questions as well. And if you're new, we have a gift specially for you. So just stop by the desk before you go home today. Um, just a couple announcements that, that, you know, for October, it's just a special month. But for our men's ministry, with called champions on October the 16th. They're going to have an event, a guest speaker. Um, and they're going to have, as I hear, a really good, good barbecue. And, and the tickets are $15. The doors open at 10. The event starts at 10 30 on that saturday Um, and i hear it's going to be really special a lot of fellowship going on so guys if you haven't bought your tickets yet please please do that as well also we have a baptism ocean baptism and if you brave enough the water's still warm october the 17th uh, down at st augustine beach so check that out it's in your bulletin as well and also we have our trunk or treat for our kids which is um, October the 27th on a Wednesday night from six o'clock to eight we do need candy wrapped candy donations we also need uh, people to help set up and take down and if you'd like to decorate your trunk uh, you can sign up for that and just give out candy and we're gonna candy up all the kids and send them home to their mom and dads right amen give them a lot of sugar yes Yes, payback sometimes for all of us at our grandparents. <laughs> we just love you guys. We just thank you so much. God bless you and have a great week.
1: Well, good morning, church. I don't know if any of you uh, watched the Florida Gators play Kentucky last night. It was, it was, we got someone excited about That's good. It, it kind of felt like we went back in time, you know, to 1986, the last time Kentucky won when they were at home. So we figured for today, David Elder would go back in time to 1986, and I am here to lead worship with you all today. So what that means is there's a decent chance I'm going to mess up some words, so I need you guys to sing really loud and to help me out. <laughs> oh, boy. I... <laughs> I'm right there with you. You believe me. Psalms 150 begins, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Stand with me as we add our voices to those already praising God in heaven and on earth. Be done. That phrase we just sang recalls two episodes in the life of Jesus. One was when his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, and he answered with what we call the Lord's Prayer. It includes the phrase, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The other was when Jesus pr- was praying in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he died. Knowing the horror of crucifixion that awaited him, he prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he concluded with, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And later he said, Your will be done. And what is God? what was God's will for his son? Isaiah the prophet wrote of Jesus, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief.
2: <laughs> when I sowed Yeah
3: To, uh, to share in the Lord's Supper together. So if you've got uh, your your little uh, communion cup as you walked in, we're going to go and get those ready. We do this not as a religious exercise, not just because we're supposed to or because we always have, but we do this because Jesus himself told us that we should remember His sacrifice, remember what he did for us. And he told the disciples, um, as often as you do this, remember me. And so we invite people who, all believers, who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior to participate in this with us. It's not just an Anastasia Baptist thing. So um, as we're ready, the Lord said in, in Luke 22, he was up in the upper room with the disciples. And he knew what he was about to go through. And he said to the disciples, and he broke the bread, and he passed it around. And as each one of them took it, um, he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat and do this in remembrance of me. So let's eat, and then I'll pray. God, we thank you for this time to remember what your son did for us. We thank you that his body was broken for us we remember the nails that went into his hands and feet we remember the spear that went into his side we remember how he was beaten for us to fulfill the scriptures to shed his blood to sacrifice his body for the forgiveness of sins so Lord we accept it And we thank you for it. And we remember it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You can open the top now as well. And it said as they were in that upper room. That he took the cup. And he passed it around. And he said this cup. This cup is my blood. The blood of the new covenant. The Old Testament says that. um, Without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. And it may seem like kind of a raw thing to talk about in a nice place like this, blood being shed. But Jesus shed his blood as a perfect sacrifice once and for all when the shedding of blood offers us forgiveness of our sins. And he passed around that cup and he said, this is my blood. As often as you drink this, remember me so you can drink. God, we love you. We thank you for this time that we can drink this juice and eat this little cracker as a symbol of your body and your blood that was broken and shed for us. We remember you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that love is to be exhibited by acts of service. Let's stand and sing.
4: In your grace, Father, we we worship you, Father. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we have to serve, Father. That we can serve through giving, Father. That we're not only giving of our of our tithes, Father, but we're giving of our time and our talents, Father. We have a, an opportunity today to to volunteer as well as to give sacrificially, Father, as you have given sacrificially, Father. We just Pray us that as as we give, that we would do things as you would have us do them, Father, that you would lead, guide us, and direct us, keep us firmly on the path. Father, we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus.
3: So the little kid went to church with his mom and dad. hadn't been to church much, and started looking around and seeing where, um, seeing all these things around. And said, "Oh, the what's that cross up there? Oh, that's the cross. It, it And what's that mean? That means that's where that's where Jesus uh, died, and we remember that. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, what what's that stained glass over there? Well, what's that mean? And he says, "Oh, well, that means that's uh, that's the story of Jesus all through um, all through time. Oh, okay. Wow. That's neat." Um, that's a lamb why is, there a, why is there a lamb in here what's that mean well Jesus is the lamb of God okay good and so um, the kid is learning all of what everything means the, the preacher got up there and he took his watch off at the, at the, at the beginning of the sermon and um, the little, little kid looks over and says what does that mean and the, the mom says nothing at all <laughs> nothing at all He's gonna go as long as he wants. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) I'll try and get us out on time today. What kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person who says yes until there's a reason to say no, or are you the kind of person who says no until there's a reason to say yes? Which one of you is kind of your default? Maybe as as a parent, maybe it's a little bit different. Are you the parent who says yes until there's a reason to say no or, to, or you say no first until there's a reason to say yes? It's kind of an interesting thought. So I want to do a little exercise with you guys this morning, okay? You ready? Okay, so um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask a question and then you're going to answer that question with a yes, all right? Okay? The only thing is, is... You're going to answer the question, yes, before I ask the question. And then whatever the question is that I ask, that uh, is going to be a binding agreement. Alright? Alright? Now this is not it yet. Are you ready? Okay? Okay, that wasn't it yet, but, but wait, are, 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 you, are you a little bit uneasy? Maybe, yeah. Okay, so so we're we're not gonna actually do that, but but it, it should make you feel it should make you feel like uneasy, right? Because you want to know what the question is before you agree to it, right? I'm not gonna answer yes before I know what the question is, because then we could have some uh, pretty tricky circumstances, right? We could. But um, as we open God's word today. We're going to look at some of the teachings of Jesus and how he taught how we should be a servant and how uh, he was the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one, the only one who lived a perfect life. And he's the only one who is deserving of worship and adoration and exaltation, yet he became. A servant. He made himself low. And he teaches us to do the same. And at the end of today's message, I'm going to extend an invitation to ask you to say yes to be a part of what God is doing here at Anastasia Baptist Church. Will you guys pray with me? Bow your heads and pray. As we pray, as your heads are bowed, as your eyes are closed... I want to invite you to take just a minute to ask God, God, what are you saying to me? And as you pray in your heart, I want you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, as we look at your word today, as we open your word and see how you taught the disciples, we want to invite you open our hearts open our minds for you to speak to us we thank you that you speak to us through your word and lord we just pray that we would be obedient enough we want to do what you say to do in jesus name we pray amen so open your bibles to matthew chapter 20 if you've um, heard me preach before, then you know that the words are not going to be on the screen because that's how I roll. I want you to bring your, bring your Bible with you. So get out your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you. We're turning to Matthew chapter 20. And this passage is going to be one of the most uh, practically powerful passages. I chose all those three Ps on purpose. Not really, but it is going to be one of the most practically powerful passages... ...for our lives, okay? We're going to look at this this phrase that Jesus says... ...and um, we're going to see how important it is for our lives. Not only can this passage help us with the ministries of the church... ...but it can help you in every area of your life... ...and that's not just preacher talk, okay? I believe that this passage shows us one of the best ways... ...that we can succeed in the workplace. I believe that this passage will help you to endear yourself with those difficult family members and to help with those difficult family situations if you would just practice the phrase in this passage. If you have any conflict in your life, this passage will help resolve it. You've probably read this, this, um, this passage of Scripture before, and you might, not, you might not have even quite realized how incredibly powerful this message is. And after we talk about this passage today... After we talk about the scripture, you'll know it. It's pretty simple. It's only four words. You know, the the part that we're going to focus on. But it's not easy. And I bet you, even though you know it, you won't say it very often because you'll be scared to. Really? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. But if you do, if you get good at saying this passage, if you memorize it, you practice it, and you get good at it, you will do a better job of bringing God glory through your life. And if you want to impact eternity. I dare you. To go out from here. And start practicing. The words in the passage we're about to read. Are you ready? Sounds pretty interesting doesn't it? Okay are you ready for this? This is right after some of the disciples were arguing about who is going to be greater in the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to sit at your left hand? Who's going to be the best one? Who does Jesus like the most? And then Jesus answered them. So we're in Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 25. And then Jesus called them over and he said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, "...among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." And as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and there were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, "'Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David!' The crowd demanded that they keep quiet." As they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus stopped and he called them. And he said this, and this is the phrase He says, What do you want me to do for you? So Jesus was teaching the disciples as they were arguing about who was gonna become greater. And then Jesus says, If you want to become great, you will become last. If you want to be the best, You must be a servant. If you want to be great, you must be a slave. And then Jesus practiced it. As they went out from there, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, God in the flesh, the one who has lived perfectly, holy, the best one, walks out. And they're going down the road. And there are two blind men. There are two blind men that are there. And these blind men are, in that culture, they're seen as pretty much worthless. They have nothing to offer. They can't see, they can't have a job, they can't do anything. So they're sitting on the side of the road, and Jesus stops and gives them attention. And Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, has been lived a perfect life. The one who had uh, all right to exalt himself and be, to be better than everybody else. He got on their level and he called out to them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, this is the phrase that if you go out here and practice, will help you so much. In other words, what Jesus said is, how can I help? How can I help? Jesus, the one who could exalt himself, chose not to. Found some blind guys. That were seen as worthless. And he asked them, How can I help you? Wow. It's four words. So simple. But so difficult. It has so many possibilities. It can be dangerous, right? To ask that phrase to somebody else. And so we, because it's kind of so dangerous, and we're kind of scared of what the answer might be we often come up with excuses in our minds to keep us from asking that question maybe think about your boss you could ask your boss at work how can I help because there's lots of problems there's always issues how can I help but we we convince ourselves you know what here here see your boss they don't they don't even know how much I do already I'm already overworked, underpaid, underappreciated. I'm not asking that question because that's what the boss is for, right? We convince ourselves out of asking the question. Maybe our coworker, things are going wrong at, at, at the office. Things are going wrong at work. And instead of saying, how can I help? How can I be a part of the, the solution? We think that person's not even carrying their own weight as it is, right? I'm already probably doing part of their job anyway and they should be asking me how they can help. And those those that person's already pretty lazy as it is, you know? So I'm not asking how I can help them. We convince ourselves out of it. Because we exalt ourselves. What about you got trouble at home? You can ask your spouse, how can I help? That's a dangerous one. I'm not giving that kind of a blank check to my spouse, right? You have no idea what kind of Pandora's box you're going to open up if you ask your spouse, you know, how can I help? You know, they know what I'm already doing. I'm up to, I'm doing everything around here. How can I help? I bet you it'll, and both sides are saying that, you know. But, and we make all those excuses in our minds. But I'll get taken advantage of. But I don't have the time. But I don't have the money. I don't, I, I, I don't have the money to ask how I can help in this situation. Or I'm not, I can't make that commitment. I'm not ready to make that kind of a commitment just yet. Or it's not my calling. Right? It's not in my skill set. Or it might just be, I'm not ready for that right now. We give excuses upon excuses upon excuses, and they roll around in our mind, and they keep us from saying, how can I help? From saying yes to what the Lord wants in our lives. But if we practice it, I guarantee you, things in your life will get better. The relationships will get better. And I want to share with you how this was true in my life. So I've been here for a little more than a year, but you might not know a lot about me. I want to share with you my calling to the ministry. I remember that God was calling me to the ministry as a boy. I remember laying in my bed. I, was, I, was, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad uh, were, were both Christians, took us to church all the time. And I remember laying in bed, and I remember God calling me to the ministry. But I didn't really know what that meant. So I felt, like, I felt like that meant I had to move to Africa, and I didn't want to move to Africa, right? And so I said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And I remember being in church, and I, I, I was kind of bored when I was a little kid in church. And then as I got a little bit older, I realized that I thought maybe I had to live at the church. And I was like, I don't want to be in charge of all of that boredom, right? And so I, I kept saying, no, 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 I, God, it's not me. That's not me. And I was wondering, maybe it's just me in my own mind. Like, that's just me, like, saying that in my own mind, and I didn't really know that it was God calling me. So I I just thought, no, 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 that's not really God, that's just kind of me. And so I put it down, and and put it to the back of my mind, and I kind of ignored it. Until one day, while I was a senior, one week, while I was a senior in high school, I went to this camp, and the preacher preached a message. And at the end, he told a story, and I felt so compelled by this story and by this message, that I actually stood up. I knew that God had been calling me all my life, and I finally said yes. I stood up where I was. I walked down the aisle in front of all of my friends, and even though it wasn't cool, it was not cool to say I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to work at church. It wasn't cool. I was scared out of my mind. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer or a veterinarian. I wanted to make money because we didn't come from money. And I was kind of smart. So I thought, I want to take care of my family, you know. And uh, you don't, you know, that's not, if you're not pursuing preaching, if you're going to want to get paid more, right? And I didn't want to do any of that. So, but I finally felt compelled to stand up and, and walk down and say yes. And I did. For a long, long time, I said this phrase that, It's kind of contradictory and you really kind of can't say it, but it's there that we do it all the time. For a long time, I said, no, Lord. For a long time, I put it away and I said, no, Lord. And that's a phrase that um, I I was confronted with in Acts chapter 10. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to turn there because it's just a short passage. Peter was feeling the Lord was speaking to him. And in in verse uh, 13, a voice, which was God, said to him, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, 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 because all of these these animals are unclean. And he said, in verse 14, he said, no, Lord, Peter said, for I've never eaten anything impure or ritually unclean. And I write in my Bible here, it says, that's something that you can't say. No, Lord. Because if he's your Lord, you can't say no. If he's your Lord, you have to do what he says. If he's your master, you obey. For a long time, I found myself saying, no, Lord, no, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to. For whatever excuse it was, and we all find ourselves saying that as much as we try to, as much as we can. And all through the Bible, though, we see that everybody else, uh, uh, every other bit of creation obeys the Lord immediately, except us humans. So there's a story in the Bible about how the disciples were in the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden the storm just comes up, and it's raging and everything, and Jesus is in the boat sleeping, and they wake him up, and they say, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus said, oh, come on, and he says, peace be still, and the wind and the waves obeyed immediately. The wind and the waves obeyed immediately. There's another story in the Bible of why there's this guy named Daniel in the Old Testament. And Daniel, he prayed religiously. And um, he prayed, I mean, prayed and he prayed. And then it became illegal to pray to God, but he kept doing it. And so as a punishment, they put him in this den of lions. And in this den of lions, God told the lions to shut their mouth and not eat Daniel. And overnight, the, the lions shut their mouth. They didn't eat him. They obeyed the Lord immediately. And even the demons obey the Lord immediately. There's a story in the Bible about how when Jesus encountered a demon-possessed man, and he was going around like he was crazy, and Jesus came to him and said, Get out of him. And the demons, even though they were going to be thrown into a herd of pigs and go over a cliff to their certain death, they obeyed Jesus immediately. The demons obey him. The animals obey him. The wind and the waves obey him. Yet we, as the humans... Made in his likeness, we try to say, no Lord, no Lord. I want to invite you to say yes to the Lord this morning. What is God saying to you? What does he want you to do about it? The Old Testament is full of people who said no. Moses, when he was asked to Deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh. He said, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. I can't speak. No, 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 not me, not me. Gideon tried to say no. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. When God called him to to free the Israelites from the Midianites. Samson tried to say no. And even though he, um, he took that Nazarite vow and, and grew his hair real long, he went and he touched the, the dead animals and he drank of the wine that he wasn't supposed to. And he tried to say, no, 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 this is I can't, I can't do what, what you've called me to do. And even um, Peter tried to say no in the passage that we just read. And Jonah tried to say no. Jonah was called to preach to the Ninevites. And he said, no, 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 no. And he went to go to a different place until God solved that one, right? And in every situation where man has tried to say no to the Lord, God either convinced them or moved on without them. He either convinced them or moved on without them. When Moses finally said yes, he was able to see a million plus people, the Israelites, delivered from Egypt, from slavery. Pretty cool. When David said yes he was able to slay a giant and deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. When Joshua said yes, he was able to take the Israelites into the promised land. When Gideon finally said yes, he was able to defeat an army of thousands with only 300 unarmed men. That was an amazing story. When Jonah finally said yes, he was able to preach the gospel and see an entire nation... Accept the Lord, turn to the Lord, turn from their sinfulness. When the disciples said yes, they left their nets, they left their jobs, and immediately came and followed Jesus. They were able to, for three years, be discipled and learn, mentored, be, a, be apprenticed by Jesus himself, and then take that to the world. When the apostle Paul said yes, he was able to take the gospel to the nations. And I want to invite you this morning to say yes. Because it's what Jesus did. Look at, in Philippians chapter 2. This one I want to ask you, ask you to go ahead and turn your, turn your Bibles over to Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2. This is a pretty famous passage. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. You might like to highlight it, underline it, memorize it. This is a good one to know and be familiar with. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 5 it says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited or grasped. Instead, he emptied himself. You might like to underline that word, empty. Because that's a pretty, pretty powerful word, pretty special word there. By assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus asked, how can I help? God the Father said to him, what I want you to do is I want you to go down to the world. I want you to set aside... To empty yourself of your godness. This is a pretty deep and um, theological concept of Jesus emptying Himself. It's called the kenosis theory or idea because that's what the actual Greek word there is kenosis, and um, and it's a, and we could go into that on a on a deeper Bible study or on a, on a on a different sermon. But I believe that this means that Jesus actually took His godness and set it aside, put it up on a shelf. Okay. As God, he can be in all places at all times. He can do all things that can be done. He can be in, uh, he knows, he can do anything, wait, he can do anything that can be done and he knows all things that can be known. Those are three of the biggest things about, about being God. He set that aside because coming down to earth means that he was gonna be limited to being in one place at one time. He was gonna not know everything that could be known because it says that he grew in wisdom and in stature. So if he grew in wisdom, then there must've been wisdom that he didn't know. So he became like a man, And then he um, couldn't do all things that could be done, only he was in submission to the will of the Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he could do the miracles that he did. Now, he could have grasped all that stuff at any time, but he didn't. He left it aside. He emptied himself to become a man. And God said, I want you to go down there. I want you to let go, empty yourself of all of that godness for a little while. And I want you to go down there and be like them. And he says, okay. He said, yes. And if he had come down here, that would have been an incredibly, incredibly powerful uh, act of humility and submission by Jesus. If he came down here to be a king, it would have been an incredible act of humility. But God said, I don't want you to stop there. I want you to be a servant. I want you to be a carpenter. I want you to have no possessions of your own. I want you to have no place to lay your head. As a matter of fact, I want you to travel from place to place and rely on the generosity of others. And Jesus said yes. John chapter 1 verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Over and over and over, when God the Father told Jesus what he wanted to do, Jesus said yes. And then as he's walking this earth with sandals and dirt and nobody attending to him, he comes across these blind guys. And Jesus, God, in the flesh, says to them, what do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? And he modeled for us humility. He modeled for us servant leadership, and he continued to do it over and over. When there was a leper, he touched them and healed them. You don't touch lepers, and Jesus touched them to heal them. When there was the woman at the well, he met her on her turf to reveal himself to her and show her love. You don't meet a woman at the well who's a Samaritan woman at noon. It wasn't what a rabbi should do. When he washed the disciples' feet, he did so in humility. When they all went to the upper room and the disciples walked in the room, they noticed there's no servant. Any one of those 12 disciples, they could have taken up the towel in the basin. But Jesus did. The one who deserved to have his feet washed, picked up the towel in the basin, and he washed their feet. He got close to the problem, and he washed their feet. He was obedient, like this passage in Philippians says. Every step of the way, he was obedient in humility, in service, even to death on a cross. The worst way, really, historians would say that that's the worst way that any human could ever die. In all all of history that we know of, to die on a cross by Roman crucifixion is the most gruesome, painful, lowly way that anybody could die. Wow! That Jesus, God, the Anointed One, the Messiah, would let himself be made so low, the Creator allowed himself to be killed by the creature. And he said yes to what the father wanted him to do. And he wants us to do the same. You know the story that got me up out of the seat when I was a, when I was a kid, when I answered the call to, mission, to, to ministry? There was this pastor and he told this story of this guy that was sitting in a pew like this. And every day, after, every week after the sermon would go, there would be this invitation. And the music would play. And he would call, to, he would call you to, uh, to, be, to be saved. And the guy would put his hands on the pew in front of him. And he, his heart started pounding. And he felt like God was calling him. And he knew that he needed to stand up and walk, walk down the aisle. But he chose not to. He said, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I'm going to be embarrassed. What about rejection? I'm, I'm not sure that this is really what I want to do. And he would sit there in the pew week after week after week. And every week he would just feel like God was calling him. And he would say no. And the next week, but he just felt compelled to come back to church. And every week he would put his, the, the, the preacher talked about his white knuckles. I didn't really understand that as a kid, but he said he would white knuckle that pew in front of him and he would just grip and hold it. And he felt his heart pounding until one week. He didn't feel it anymore. And he didn't feel the calling of God. And he didn't feel the inspiration. And he didn't feel the conviction. He didn't feel his heart pounding. And he just sat there until God stopped calling him. And then he made the, the, the call for us. And I felt, I have been saying no to God my whole life what if today's the last day? What if he doesn't call me again? And it convicted me and it compelled me. and I, Because I knew that God was asking me to say yes. And I grew up in church. And I knew all the answers, right? But I kept saying, no, Lord. And as my heart pounded, and as I felt that conviction, it compelled me to stand up in front of all of my friends and walk down and say Yes. To the Lord. I'm not an anointed person. I know a lot of people think that the pastor a pastor is specially anointed. I'm not. There's nothing in the Bible that teaches that anybody after Jesus is coming, that there there's any special anointing to a pastor. I'm just a guy who stood up and said yes. The Bible talks about how they anointed the king of Israel with oil. He had the special power of the Lord. It was a different thing. But I am a guy who's been called. And I said yes. And so you could say yes today. Because I believe that God is on the move. I believe that God is doing good things in our church. Not just good things, but great things. And I believe that this time that we're living in is a special time. Whenever ever it's happened, but when and recently has death and eternity been so on the front of everybody's mind worldwide. And when death and eternity on the front of everybody's mind, it's a great time to share the gospel with them. It's a great time to invite them to church. And Jesus himself said, the harvest is ready. It's white. It's ripe. It's ready. There's a lot of them, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out the workers. And so that's that's us. That's you and that's me to say yes. And so I want to invite you today, every one of you. If you're young, I want to invite you to say yes to the Lord. I want to invite you and I dare you to go out of here because those tables will still be out there. I dare you to go out of here and ask any one of those tables, how can I help? If you're young, I want to invite you. We need your energy. We need your energy. Don't wait until later. If you're middle-aged, and I know that you've got things up to here, and you've got babies in both arms, and I know that you've got a lot of work going on, and you're busy, and you're you're running at a million miles an hour, they say that the best way to get something done is to ask somebody who's busy. Right? So if you're in the middle age, and you're in that really thick part of life right now, I want to invite you to keep going. We need you. We need your influence. We need your, your perspective. And if you're... The older crowd, we need you as well. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We don't discount it. This church, this world needs you. I want to invite you and inspire you. Don't coast. Our faith is not a faith of coasting. You don't coast into the finish line. You run hard all the way through it. We need everybody in this room. I dare you to go out here and ask people how you can help. There are students in our student ministry that are hurting, that are from broken families, that are are struggling with addictions and lies of the world. They're struggling with body image. They're struggling with social media pressure. They're struggling with things that will blow your mind. And they need healthy relationships with adults. So I'm the youth pastor, and I need more adults that'll pour into and invest teenagers. Invest in teenagers. We have children's ministry. We have tons of little kids in there that need to feel that that they need their they need to feel the that their minds and their, their hearts are captured. Their minds are so full of wonder. And we need to to capture their heart and their mind with the wonder of God and Jesus. So the children's minister isn't here right now, but I'm speaking for them and saying they need more adults to help capture the hearts and minds of our little, our little children. There are people out there who have sworn that they would never come to church again because of how they were treated, because of what they heard, or whatever. And they're out there right now. I know some of them. It's probably some of them you do too. And so for whatever reason, when somebody invites them, when whatever reason they decide, decide I'm going to go to church one more time, and they show up here, we need greeters. We need people smiling and welcoming them. Normal people like yourselves, because when they, they, they're out there, they think, all those people at church are just a bunch of money grabbing hypocrites, and they're all weird, right? Right? And may, you, may be, you, may have, you may be here today and be, have thought that. All those people at church are weird. We need good, normal people like yourself to be standing at all the doors and at every point. Right? You're all, right. We need you all, all we need y'all to smile and welcome them and to say, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Share the love of Jesus with them at every point. We need people in the tech ministry. Can I get an Amen. We need more musicians. We need people to help set up and tear down. We need people who are creatives. We need people who are good with details. We need people um, who, are, who, who are big thinkers. We need people who are just like, tell me what to do. I'll just check off a task and I'm just a worker bee. We need everybody to say, how can I help? And then answer the call, yes. So I want to bring us back to that question I said at the very beginning. This is for us all to ask. God, what are you asking me To do? What do you want me to do about it? I can't answer that for you. That's for you to answer for yourself. But I want to invite you today, as Brandon's going to come up in a little bit, we're going to sing one more song. It's not just about volunteering. Today it might be, I'm going to give church another try. I'm going to say yes to that. Today it might be, I'm going to say yes. And invite Jesus into my heart for the very first time ever. Today it might be, I said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but I've never been baptized. And you need to do that in obedience to the Lord, to be baptized. You might want to walk up and say, I need to be baptized. I'm going to say yes to that step of obedience. It might be saying yes to joining a life group. You haven't done that yet. You've been coming here for a little while and you need to get involved in a life group where people see your face and they know your name. And you're accountable to other people in this church. It might be where you're going to say yes to volunteering in a place here in our church and you're going to walk out of here and go sign your name on the paper even though it might be scary. And it almost it also might be yes that you feel like God has been calling you to the ministry for a long time and you need to finally say yes. No matter what stage of your life you're in, we need you. And if God is calling you, he knows what he's doing. I want to invite you to say yes. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for your word as you speak to us. You reveal yourself to us. You come close to us. You are not far away and uninvolved with our lives, but you are here. We thank you and praise you. There is no God like you. So, Lord, I pray that you will help us all every day to say yes. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do through us. All for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As this next song goes, if you feel like you want to walk down the aisle and and express your decision to me, you can. But then when we're done, we want to ask you to go on out there and say yes to one of our ministry tables. Thank you.
1: receive your blessing. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Go out now to be like Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. And all God's people who committed to doing so said, Amen. Thank you.